I own you. I can own you. I've always owned you. How great was that? Welcome into another episode of The Chop Shop. I'm Trey Wingo here alongside my good buddy, Mark Schlereth. Here in The Chop Shop, we're partnering once again with our friends at Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. Hey, when was the last time you seriously considered your dreams? I mean, come on, you used to think about them all the time. What happened? I say it's time that you and your dreams got back together. I mean, think about it. You could live the van life in a totally customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. You could tour all 423 national parks, build a mountain cabin with your dad, or even start up your own business. Really, whatever you want to dream up. And it's a Mercedes-Benz van we're talking about here, kids. So expect innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. Expect amazing performance and reliability with an MBUX voice command system, a five-star dealer network, and an available gas engine. It runs like, well, a dream. So what do you say? Head to the Mercedes-Benz dealership and get that Sprinter van. Tell them your dream sent you. Welcome into another version of the Chop Shop as we break down what we saw in week six. We take it down to the studs and tell you what's important and what isn't in the games and the ramifications they will have going forward for the rest of the season. After a hiatus last week, we're delighted to be joined uh, once again by my good friend Mark Schlareth. Stink, good to see you, brother. I know that uh, you went through a lot over the weekend with the passing of your mother, um, but it, it is great to see you again and just know that all of us here uh, on the Chop Shop staff are with you and thinking of you, pal. Well, I, I, you know, I truly appreciate it. Yeah. Hard week, obviously. Um, losing a parent is never easy for anybody. Um, but uh, my mom's hope was in Jesus. So um, that's always comforting. I, I will tell you this, you know, there's so many times where during times of tragedy, Trey, you know, we, we shout out to God and say, why me? But, you know, I, I truly believe in the why me as um, why was I blessed with such a wonderful woman? You've met my mother. You've been with my mother. Yeah. Um, you've known her for years. Um, kind, gracious, and um, and like I said, just a godly woman. So I was truly blessed, um, you know, for the last fifty five years to have a unbelievable um, woman in my life. Uh, so I, I'm just I'm just very thankful for that time. I'm thankful that I got to go say goodbye. I flew up to Alaska and got to say goodbye to her. And um, I, I would say this, you know, for for my mom, uh, just remember that we're all part of the human race, and. Um, yeah. And the only way we win that race is if we finish arm in arm together, crossing that yeah. finish line. And and that's just the way she lived. And uh, she passed it on to her little boy. So uh, I definitely will try to honor her by um, being kind and gracious. And except on Twitter, I will still be a snarky <laughs> dick on Twitter. I, I promise you that. So can, can, I, can I tell and, you uh, something like, I, as you know, first of all, you know, I love you. We've been friends for a long time. That's never going to change. Um, we work together a lot for 15, 16 years, almost on a daily basis. And mm -hmm. one of my favorite memories of you involves your mom. Uh, she and your dad came up to watch us do NFL Live one day. And we were in the ESPN cafeteria. And they, that was when the old NFL 2K game was out. And you and I, you know, we'd get the rundown set. We'd write the stories. And then we'd wait for the show to get on the air. And we had some time to kill. So we would go to the cafeteria and we would play the video game NFL 2K and we'd sit there for an hour sometimes and play. And your mom came once to sit and watch us play. And every time you scored, she's like, oh, honey, you're doing so well. This is wonderful. Like she, was, <laughs> she was there cheering you on as we're playing a video game at ESPN while we're waiting right. for our show to start. Like that's who she was. She was, she was, all, I don't have to tell you this, but it yeah. was great. It yeah. was, it was so yeah. much fun to me for me to be a part of that. I think I think the cool thing as a son who played in the NFL is 
my mom knew absolutely nothing about football. I mean, yeah. not, even even you know all my college days and and my twelve years in the NFL, she knew she didn't learn anything, and um, she just simply watched. She watched our show every day. She, I mean, you would think that at some point, consuming that much football, you would learn something about the game. She asked me a question <laughs> once. And this is an honestly goodness truth, and I used to mess with her uh, because she didn't know anything. I just uh, was baffled me. like, how can you not pick up anything? Like just, I mean, just a, a smidge, just anything. And she asked me a question once and I said, oh, the running back, the reason they call it the running back is that that particular person that plays that position has always got to run backwards on the field. So whenever he gets on the field, he has it's by rule. He has to run backwards. And she'd be like, oh, that sounds so unfair. Like, <laughs> like mom, that's ridiculous. Have you ever seen anybody just run backwards on the Come on, stop it. But she was like the hook, line, and sinker. So anyhow, uh, oh, that's great. Just, uh, just great. I appreciate you, man. I love you too, buddy. I love you too, buddy. And we love football, and that's why we do what we do here. We got a million things mm-hmm. going on, but we love talking about football together. So, damn it, that's why we created the Shop Shop. And one of the things we love, Mark, this has been, honestly – the most dramatic start to a football season that I can remember in terms of the most games ever won on a scoring play on the final play of the game, whether it's in regulation or overtime, shattering the record that was back in uh, 1995 at 13. We've already had 18 of those games uh, through week six. Now, the Monday night game technically wasn't that game, but it came down to the last play, and it came down to a, a fourth and one call where the Bills were in perfect position to tie that game up and potentially send it in overtime with a field goal. But they were like, screw it. It's fourth and inches. We're on the two-yard line. We get a first down here. We got timeouts. We're going to punch it in and win. What did you think of Sean McDermott's decision to go for a potential first down and then a game-winning touchdown as opposed to kicking a field goal to tie it? I loved it. I loved the aggressiveness. You know, you're on the road. And there's a lot of people say when you're on the road, um, you know, they would say play for the tie. You know, don't go for the win, but play for the tie on the road. But I, I just I like the aggressiveness. I, you got a quarterback who's six foot five. He's two hundred forty pounds, um, and I, I personally I like the play call as well. You know, I, I would say this: the execution of the play call. So um, my years in my years in Denver, we were a a conversion team, um, and and what I mean by that, a lot of people look at second down and and one or third, you know, th- shot as play. A, a, a shot play, right? Shot play, yeah. and we always looked at it as a shot down. A down to take a shot on the defense and punish them a little bit. And yeah. I don't know what I don't know what John, like the percentage of John Elway's quarterback sneaks were, but I bet you it was in the high 90 percentile, 95, 96. I mean, we converted. And one of the things that I watch running the quarterback sneak, one of the important things to do as a quarterback is you accept that as you accept that snap, you take a little half step back yep. and let and let something and read it. And so what ends up happening inevitably? Brady's great at that. Still, Brady's, Brady's still great incredible, that. incredible. Yeah. But what ends up happening when you take that half step? Because everybody's submarining. Everybody's trying to, you know, create a new line of scrimmage. What happens is somebody gets too far into their penetration, and a seam opens up. And yep. most of the time, it's not behind, you know, not between the center and the guard. It's usually between the guard and the tackles where that seam opens up. So if you take a little bit of a pause, I mean, it's a it's, you know, it's not even one alligator, it's one, you know, and then go, you'll usually find a seam. And it's one of the things that you have, you know, if you run it all the time, like we did in Denver, it was always coached up and um, we we're pretty much always successful. So 
I think that's the only issue is, you know, a coaching point on that play. But I don't have any problem with the aggressiveness. I don't have any problem with Sean McDermott saying, I'm going to go win this damn thing. Yeah, I don't either. Look, Josh Allen slipped. That's going to happen. And got to give Jeffrey Simmons, by the way, credit. You know, he created a scene by getting in there. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, look, Josh Allen, like you said, is 6'5". I mean, if he finds the appropriate way, the appropriate way to fall forward – they're going to come out of that on top 99.9% of the time. Now, you know, the right. next gen stats, people say, well, it was the right play reason to go for it. And I think it was too, hundred percent, but it also didn't work. And that's part of the process. Like I, I would have done the exact same thing. If I was Sean McDermott, I have no problem with him doing it, but the reality is it also didn't work. And as Bill Parcells always says, you are what your record says you are. So now the Buffalo bills are at four and two. And I think it really shapes up a different dynamic in the AFC, because if they went to five and one, then, you know, Buffalo is feeling really good about themselves and really it's them and the Ravens. Now the AFC is sort of in play, although we'll get into the Ravens a little bit later, but with the way they're playing and Lamar Jackson to me is clearly the MVP. This, this was a slip up literally and figuratively by Buffalo to still be the top team in the AFC. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's nobody in the AFC, obviously in the AFC total, nobody in the AFC East that's going to chase them, but, um, you know, the AFC is is a bit muddled, and you're right. Uh, it's still early, though, and I think you come away with that game. Um, one, understanding that, hey, man, we put ourselves in a position offensively, even in a, in a game where we didn't run the ball at all. We were not right. very good. We put ourselves in a position um, to win that game at the end, and it's hard to go on the road. It's hard to win. You know, the theory was always back when it was 16 games. That's why the 17th game is is – you know, math-wise, it's just hard to figure this out. But we always used to say, hey, listen, if we can win all our home games and split on the road, you're 12-4. and And it just goes to show you how hard it is to split on the road. It's hard to go on the road and play. And so I look at that and say, yeah, we're 4-2, and and yeah, we could have been in control, but but other things are going to happen along the way to other teams, and we feel pretty pretty good about where we were or where we are and where we're headed, especially as an offense. Now, defensively, that's a different story with, uh, you know, the way Derrick Henry, King, King Henry, just ran, you know, rough shot through him. But that's a different story. Before we move on, we do need to acknowledge what we're seeing out of Derrick Henry. He, he's on pace to lead the league in rushing and rushing touchdowns three straight years. Uh, the only other player to do that was Jim Brown uh, three straight years. And, and the other thing that people need to know He's had at least three games through the first six weeks of the season where he's had at least 125 yards and at least three rushing touchdowns. The only other person in NFL history to have three of those games through the first three six weeks of the season was Jim Brown in 1958. So we're on a we're seeing yeah. something out of Derrick Henry right now that is otherworldly, especially when you consider the devaluation of the running back. And basically, he's a guy that just runs into people like normally. You know, you want elusive like Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook guys out there. No, he's the throwback, and it's working for him despite all the the mileage that he accumulated, not only in his pro career or at Alabama. I think he had like 478 carries one season in high school. Like, he's just a freak show right now, an absolute freak show. Some guys are just built different. That dude is yep. just – it's different. Look at these Look at these t- totals in the last five games. 35 carries, 182. 28 carries, 113. 33 carries – 157, 29 carries, 30. Light load last night, only 20 carries for 143. Three TDs, one TD, three TDs, and last night again, 
three TDs. The guy is a freak show. And he hit 22 miles an hour at 250. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, By the way, let, let, let's be honest. The best play in that entire game, I think it was Micah Hyde, who was one-on-one with Derrick Henry and the only thing stopping him from getting another 50-yard touchdown, and somehow he made the tackle. Like, I mean, for all the things we saw in that game, I was like, dude, like, hats off to you. 99% of the defensive backs would have no shot there. Like, no right. shot. A lot of guys would step to the side and then try to jump no. on the back, right? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's incredible. And I always say there's, there's a difference between – there's a difference between um, – you know, compiling statistics, running the ball and understanding how to run the ball. And yep. the Tennessee Titans are just going to run the ball. They know what they're doing. And Derrick Henry is, it's incredible. So just to watch, it's incredible. We'll move on to another team that had an impressive win. That was the Arizona Cardinals. And again, under very unusual circumstances, Cliff Kingsbury was not there because of COVID. GM Steve Kime could not travel because of COVID. They handed off play calling to the, uh, the wide receivers coach Whipple. Uh, and they, they did a number on the Cleveland Browns. And I think we have two things to sort of discuss here. One, the Cardinals are 6-0. and Again, still the last unbeaten team in the NFL. The last time they were 6-0 and uh, was several decades ago when they played in another state, and they were the St. Louis football Cardinals, and Richard Nixon had just resigned from Watergate. That's the last time a Cardinals football team was 6-0. and But they're doing it in a lot of different ways. Like the first couple of weeks, it was all about the Kyler Murray show and running around and doing all this stuff. They're getting help on defense. They're getting better at running the ball. They're creating turnovers. You know, Bill Belichick always likes to say, we, he knows he has a good team when we can win a lot of different ways. The Cardinals are showing us, Mark, they can win in a lot of different ways. Yeah, they are. And I think, I think the biggest thing, and it's got to be so frustrating for these teams, Trey, because the biggest thing is when you do it perfectly, when you defend the play, when the back end and the front end are tied together on the defensive side of the ball, meaning you get great pass rush and you've got great coverage on the back end and everything is perfect where every other team would be, you know, throwing incompletion or take a sack or whatever, and you're going to have to punt. Kyler Murray becomes a magician. Yep. And so you can do everything. To, I mean, I was talking to a coach from the Rams. I was on the sideline or on the, on the field before the game I called last week, Giants and Rams. And we were just talking about the way that offense is operating right now. He goes, you know, you can do everything perfectly. And the bottom line is all of a sudden that guy's just going to scramble around and they're going to play that, that scramble drill. And he's going to find somebody down the football field and you've done it as well as you can do it. You put him in a third down along situation. You've got him on the ground. Essentially he wiggles out, makes a play. It's 20 yard gain and they're right back in business. And the frustration that that creates then I think one of the things that happens to you as a defense, you start trying to do more than your job. If we're going to win this, we've got, I got to do something spectacular. And in trying to do something spectacular, you don't do your job. And that's why all of a sudden the running game is working. And, you know, I, I tell you what, they're a really, really difficult team with all the elements that they have, with the receiving core they have, with the running game that they've established. And, and let's face it, teams are just going, hey, man, we just assume you're running on us. So go ahead. We'll give you six yards of carry. And the, and the Cardinals are smart enough to go, okay, we'll take six yards of carry. Thank you. Yeah. And the other thing before we move on, uh, the Browns are in a little bit of trouble. And, and you know, I want to be clear. Baker Mayfield is banged up 
And you know how hard it is when you don't have your two starting left, your two starting tackles, right? Both Wills and yeah. Conklin were out of that game. They lost Nick Chubb before the game. They lost Kareem Hunt during the game. The Browns are a run-dependent offense. You know, they can they use the pass sometimes to set up the run. They use the run to set up the pass, but they like to run, okay? They mm-hmm. they chewed up uh the Chargers uh for all that yardage in that game where they had 532 yards of offense. But when the Browns can't run the ball effectively, their offense is not going to be as effective. That's just that, that's not a shot at anybody. It's the way they're designed and it's being borne out. And they are really beat up right now. Huge. I mean, it's a it's a big challenge, and you're 100 percent right. They're, all you know when you start to look at the way the Browns are constructed, um, and this is typical of of that you know that Gary Kubiak West Coast offense, the Kyle Shanahan West Coast offense. Um, it's not about it's not about going, hey, our receivers are better than your DBs across the board, and we're just going to look across the board and say, okay, where do we have man? Where do we have the best matchup? Where do we have a you know a zone that we can take advantage of? And let me just go to that particular receiver. And, and that's a, a philosophical approach in football that a lot of teams use. And then there's the teams like a Kyle Shanahan, like a Cleveland Browns with a Kevin Stefanski, like where they're saying, hey, we're going to run the snot out of the ball off of our system. And what we're going to do is create um, explosive plays in the play action passing game off of what we do. So everything is going to look identical. Then we're going to have our adjunct play action stuff off of that not only play action, but kind of run action stuff. And that's how we're going to create the big plays. And then all of a sudden, guess what? You can't, you know, you can't uh, run it. You you can't do those things. Now all of a sudden you're trying to do something offensively that you're not wired or you haven't worked on doing, which is, hey, let's just play a drop back game. That's not what the Cleveland Browns are. Now you're going to have some drop back in your, in your passing game, but that's not what you're going to major in. And all of a sudden when that stuff gets taken away, You've got to major in something that that you haven't taken enough classes in, right? I mean, that's right. you've changed your major, and that's hard to do midstream. Yeah, it is, and they have the short week coming up. they got to take on the Denver Broncos on Thursday night, so we'll see what happens with Cleveland. But they are really beat up right now. Then there's the curious case of the Dallas Cowboys, and I want to be clear in the way I'm presenting this. The Cowboys have won five straight games. They could easily be 6-0. The only real reason they lost that opening night game Thursday to the Bucs was Greg Zerline was terrible in that game. I think he missed three kicks and an extra point. One of them was, you know, a 60-plus yarder, but whatever. I mean, if, if he makes one of those other field goals at that extra point, then suddenly the field goal that the Bucs needed to win becomes a touchdown, right, late in the game. So that changes the dynamic. So on one hand, the Cowboys are ridiculously good and ridiculously talented. Mark, on the other hand, they put up the most yards ever, ever, against a Bill Belichick defense, 567. Dak Prescott threw for 445 yards, the most yards ever in the air, playoffs, regular season, against a Bill Belichick defense. They still had to go to overtime, okay? I think the Cowboys are ridiculously good, but I think the Cowboys' game execution by the coaching staff is still very questionable to me. They had two end zone, not red zone, two end zone turnovers. One was Dak throwing behind a receiver for an interception. The other one was a fumble on a fourth down sneak where he didn't get elevated. He didn't wait about the seam like you were talking about. You could make the argument. He looked like he was in on third down. I understand that, but they didn't call it. You got to find a way to score. I don't see how that game went to overtime considering how dominant the Cowboys were in that game. Yeah, you know, it it is uh, the execution, the play calling, all those things go hand in hand. But 
I will tell you, going back to kind of the theme that we started with, it's hard to go on the road and win. I mean, yeah. it's really difficult. And I tell you what, anytime, anytime you can do that and you can overcome your own mistakes, that's one of those things I go back and look at and go, we're a damn good football team. Yeah. Like when yeah. we can go in there and not execute and still find on the road and still find a way to win. Um, we're a pretty damn good football team. And that's one thing I look at what the, the addition of Dan Quinn is as important as any. He's been phenomenal in football. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. As the coordinator, the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. I, I just still, I guess there's always a point where I'd like, you know, I'd like, you'd always like to go out and crush everybody, but you still have to have that context, that, that understanding of how difficult it is to go on the road and win a game. And, and when you overcome your own mental mistakes and your own execution mistakes uh, and still find a way to win. I think those are big things. I think that's one of the reasons I think the Cowboys are one of the top two teams in the NFC right now. No, I think you're hundred percent right, but it's those ex like they had over a hundred yards of penalties. I still don't understand what Mike McCarthy's philosophy is on when he should go for it on fourth down and when he shouldn't doesn't. Under I, don't I don't think Mike, McCar Mark Mike McCarthy, you. I don't think Stay he knows. It. And I, I don't yeah. think it, it, him and Vic Fangio, um, yeah. those guys, I don't know that they have a philosophy. No, you're right. And I think that's, I think that's the frustrating thing. If you're watching the Cowboys now, we're got to take a break here, but I will say this, even though the Patriots have lost their first four home games since 1993, um, Mac Jones showed us something again last night. This game is a perfect example of why wins and losses are not a quarterback stat. I thought Mac played really well after a horrible mistake. He came back with the biggest play of the year to the touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. And that really allowed the game to go into overtime because the Cowboys had to get down there and kick that field goal to get it there. Um, I, I think Patriot fans should be happy about the future with Mac Jones, don't you? I don't think there's any question. And he's got this insatiable appetite for knowledge. And you know, talking with Josh McDaniels, their offensive coordinator, he's like, this kid just wants as much information as possible. And he's unrelenting from a preparation standpoint because he's the first guy in the building. He's the last guy to leave. He goes home and gets queued up with flashcards. Like he just study. He all he's doing right now is studying. He goes by the time, by the time he gets to game day on Sunday. Bill Belichick told me he keeps us out of every problem. He just yeah. knows what the defense is, what they're trying to do, um, and it's a testament on maybe not being the most physically gifted guy. But, you know, the difference between playing pro football and being a professional, and he right. is a professional. Yeah, no question about it. So I think the future's bright there. Okay, you said the Cowboys may be one of the best two teams in the NFC. Uh, when we come back on the other side of the break, we'll talk about the other team that might just be the best team in the NFC, and it's not who you think it is. That's next on The Chop Shop. Stay with us. No two dreams are the same, but there is one van equipped to handle them all. For over 120 years, Mercedes-Benz vans have been built, upfitted, and ready to go because we believe dreams should never stay that way because those who find their passion drive their passion. So you can stop following your dreams and start driving them. All right, back with you on the Chop Shop. Trey Wingo and Mark Schlereth here. We'll get to a couple of teams in the NFC in a minute. In a minute but, Mark, the Ravens are 5-1, and one, and it's been a weird 5-1, and one, right? They needed a fumble from Clyde Edwards-Alaire to avoid a loss to the Chiefs in Week 2. They needed a record-setting field goal as time expired against the winless Detroit Lions uh, to win that game. They had an epic comeback when they were down 19 uh, against the Colts on Monday Night Football to win that game. 
But they found a way to win all those games. And when you start winning, you believe you're going to win all of them. And Lamar Jackson is now, on, in my opinion, on an MVP pace. He's been the best player through the first six weeks of the NFL. And what John Harbaugh has done, considering the injuries that have piled up for the Ravens, is absolutely remarkable. It really is. You know, you're, you're right about Lamar and, um, and his dynamic nature, both running the ball, which we always do, but throwing the ball as well is, has been incredible. And then you, you mentioned John Harbaugh should probably be the coach of the year. When you, when you consider, you know, there are so many teams right now that are like, Hey, we're not using uh, injuries as an excuse, but it is a reason that we're struggling, you know, and blah, 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 blah. You lost an all-star superstar cornerback. You've lost defensive linemen along the way. You lost your left tackle. Oh, by the way, you don't have any running backs left that you started. You lost your top two running backs in preseason, yeah. Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. You're like, come on, guys. Like, th- like this guy, the way they are constructed, the way they play on a week-to-week basis. And I know one thing. When you play the Ravens, you're going to get bloodied. You know, they're they yeah. going to hit you in the mouth. So this is a physical team. It's a uniquely constructed team with the system that they run that nobody else runs. Um I just have nothing but the utmost respect for the way they handle their business as a football team and the way John Harbaugh has uh, coached that team up. Yeah, two things. I, I believe someone tried to tell me this offseason that I think the league has figured out Lamar Jackson. <clears throat> no, the actual opposite is happening. He's proven that he can win ways this year that he never could win before, being behind, whether it was 11 or 10 to the Chiefs and 19 uh, to the Colts. Mm-hmm. And and they're finding a way to win with the greatest freaking running backs from 2014 their backfield on Sunday was Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell I mean come on we're in the way back machine here with those guys being dominant so kudos to Harbaugh and everything that they're doing yeah Devontae Freeman wow I mean, right? I mean you when, you, when you say that hey do you remember back in the day when he played for Atlanta and it was like wow it was he was great and then he just got yeah. beat to a pulp and uh, you know it's funny because I didn't I, I didn't get to fully watch, you know, I watched some highlights on the game because I was calling my game. Um, right. And, and you think Devontae Freeman, you like you see him out there and you're like, oh, my God, he's still playing in the league. How about yeah, that? I was this many days old when I realized he was still a professional active player. Right. So right. kudos to the Ravens and Harbaugh for what they've done. You said the Cowboys might be one of the top two teams in the NFC. You called the game and I get it. I get it. It was the Giants without almost all of their star players. But the Rams did what you would want a good team to do on the road against an inferior team. They beat the crap out of them. How impressed were you with what you saw out of Stafford? And again, Cooper Cup is absolutely destroying people. You know, talking to Matthew Stafford, he'll tell you right right off the bat that Cooper Cup plays the game. He sees it through the eyes of a quarterback. He's like playing with another quarterback on the football field. Just really understands the game, really understands what the quarterback is seeing, um, really understands space and zones and where guys are. Um, and, and they're so uniquely constructed because they are in 11 personnel, three wide receivers, one tight end, one tailback. Uh, they're in it about 98% of the time. But because of what Robert Woods and Cooper Cup can do as blockers, they can run all their 12 personnel plays, their two tight ends with one back, or all their 21 personnel plays, two backs and one tight end, out of a three-wide receiver set because Cooper Cup can essentially play tight end or running back. And so can Robert Woods. So it becomes deceptive. 
when you decide to play them in nickel or dime, they'll basically condense with those wide receivers and cram it down your throat. So it's a really kind of unique balance. Um, and, and, and Matthew Stafford to come in there. Remember last year when Brady was week eight, week nine, week 12, and he was still assimilating the offense of. Yeah, they were seven and five. They were seven and five through their first 12 games. And, you know, talking to Sean McVay, he said, hey, Matthew Stafford came in here and just basically picked this stuff up like that. And, you know, so smart, so Headline, headline, Mark Schlereth says Tom Brady is stupid. Kidding, I'm yes. kidding, I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, but they were so in sync on what they wanted to do between Matthew Stafford. Now, he had been in a lot of different offenses. Tom Brady had been in one for 20 years, right? So Matthew Stafford had, you know, Jim Bob Cooter, you can't say that name enough, as a coordinator. Scott Linehan is a coordinator. Daryl Bevel is a coordinator. Uh, there's one I'm missing in he there. He was very coordinated. Right, exactly. So, uh, but he, he did say one thing. He goes, the running game of the Rams is the one thing that has really given me the most kind of the most mental hurdles I've had to jump over. And his ability, like wanting to understand what every blocking scheme is, and what every adjustment is so that he can warn his left tackle or his right tackle if he sees something that looks quirky to change the blocking scheme. So that's one of his biggest, like one of the things that he's done and uh, it really worked on that's given him the most, I guess, mental pause um, right. in, in Sean McVay's system. One of the things I want to say before we move on is that there was, there was one little play that I thought summed up the game perfectly. And it was a, it was a goal line play. Uh, they had a stack formation on the right side. I can't remember if it was Bobby Trees or Van Jefferson and Cooper Cup on the right side. And they ran the rub route, pick route, however you want to call it, to perfection. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was either Van or Bobby Trees. It was Van It was Van, Jeff- Van, it was Jefferson. Van Jefferson that ran the, the, ran the out, go corner. Right. Go corner. And then Cooper Cup comes underneath. Matthew hits him perfectly. And Cooper was so aware of where he was on the field to make sure he caught the ball, stayed inbounds, and got the ball over the pylon. To me, that was the perfect combination of play design and play execution. And I think that sums up the Rams' offense right now. Yeah, fourth and one, knowing exactly where you are. And also, um, also I, they were in, because Robert Woods is in there, so they were in a what, what we would call in the West Coast offense, a bunch would include a tight end. You know, three receivers over there, tight end. A cluster is the same as a bunch, except there's no tight end. He's on the opposite side of the field. You've got right. three wide receivers. So they were in a cluster formation, and they motioned – you called him Bobby Trees. I like that. Robert Woods, Bobby Trees. Well, that's what the Rams call him that. The Rams call him yeah. that. So, that's a, yeah. so Bobby Trees motions across the formation, and a DB goes with him. So right now, they're like, oh, we're in man. They're in man coverage, right? So as soon as he went across the formation, they know – they're going to run that corner, you know, and, and it's going to be a rub with the corner with Van Jefferson and basically a delay, bam, hit the flat, throw it to the flat, which was Cooper Cup, and he makes his move into the end zone. It was, you know, it's it's one, get in a formation, see what they're in, how they're playing it, get the motion to clear some space, get the two one-on-ones there, then rub the, uh, the one-on-ones and get your guy wide open. It, it, it's just the Rams in general. We got to finish up with uh, what happened uh, in Chicago with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, By the way, I was also told after week one that Aaron Rodgers was disinterested, right? Yes, yes. When when you hear all this, forgive me, when you hear all this shit, okay, Mm. week one, that's why we used to do that segment on NFL Live called Overreaction Monday. 
Okay. Yeah. It's just one game, people. You don't put things out there for the entire season based on one game. His reaction when he scored the touchdown to seal the game, basically telling the entire Bears fan in that corner of the end zone to just bleep themselves. I own you. I can own you. I've always owned you. How great was that? It's awesome, right? It, it is. There, I used to love, Trey, I used to love going on the road um, in hostile places to play. Yeah. Like, one, if you can win in Kansas City or in or the old vet in Philadelphia or the Meadowlands and the Giant, like, if you can go win there the black hole with the Raiders, you know you're pretty damn good. And there's nothing better than beating that, that hometown team and then talking a little smack to the fans on the way to the locker room, right? There's right. just nothing better. And Aaron Rodgers, you mentioned it. Not a, like you think he's disinterested. You think he's not invested. You think it Come doesn't on, matter to Aaron Rodgers. It matters, Come man. On. The dude's an ultimate competitor. Um, and I tell you what, I, I just am I'm so impressed with him and the way he's played so far. And hey, that's why everybody was in on Aaron Rodgers, why everybody wanted Aaron Rodgers. Why? You know why the Broncos and everybody else were reaching out there to Aaron Rodgers and to his people and to the Green Bay Packers to try to get him. Um, and, and the same will be true next year. Yeah, listen, the Packers are really good. Aaron cares, and they're going to be a problem for anybody in the NFC. All right, buddy, yeah. listen, uh, I was great. We did the show last week with Tim Hasselback, who's always a good friend, and it was great to catch up with him. But uh, as Jack Palance once said in the original Batman to Jack Nicholson, you are my number one guy. So it's great to have you back. <laughs> and uh, I missed you, and I understood why you were gone. Uh, blessings uh, to your family. And I love you, you and we'll do this again next week, okay? Sounds good, my friend. Love you too, man. And uh, always great uh, catching up. <laughs>